John ja Morant is ridiculous. Greg Monroe is back. <laughs> and oh boy, the Celtics lost to. Well, we'll get into it. This is Locked On NBA. <laughs> Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all NBA knowledge in the universe. I'm Matt Moore, Senior NBA Writer for the Action Network and host of Locked On Nuggets, David Ramil, host of Locked On Heat. This is your Tuesday episode of Locked On NBA, breaking down seven really great games in the association tonight, uh, as well as some very <laughs> weird games because everything's very strange right now because of COVID. David, how you doing? Hanging in there a lot better than the rest of the NBA, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, we'll get into all of it. We'll get into all of the weirdness as well as the drama and the excitement and all the good things and the bad in this show. But first, I want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is a new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. Check it out at Truebill.com. All right, David, we got seven games on the slate, but I think we have to start uh, in the desert where the Phoenix Suns coming off of what was probably a pretty bummer of a loss to the Golden State Warriors on Christmas. Tight, really well-played game, uh, but the Warriors found a way to get that win. It was a big game for a number of reasons, including... The Warriors go up 2-1 in the season series and they are looking like they're probably going to have tiebreaker. And it also kind of shows like, you know, that the Warriors are in a position to beat them. They come in tonight for a letdown spot. They get hit with COVID because that th was their time as it, it, COVID comes for all NBA teams right now. Um, despite what LeBron might think. You know, <laughs> yeah, despite, exactly. <laughs> despite what LeBron might think, the shorthanded Phoenix Suns. Uh, Nomani Williams, first off on, on the bench. Williams out health and safety protocols. No Jay Crowder. Um, Elver Payton got out and he played. Uh, but no DeAndre Ayton was a late scratch. Right. So they're going through the same like rolling. This is this has been like the concern for me is that like it's not just that we get these. It's like, oh, a bunch of guys have COVID. It's that a couple of guys have COVID and then there's a game and then a couple right. more guys have COVID and then there's a game. And it's like. It, that was honestly, I'm not kidding, David. I took the Grizzlies. I bet them tonight in yeah. part because I was like, look, Crowder's out. And that there's like a pretty good chance that they're going to hit with another, with another one. And uh, it comes down still to the wire. Memphis leads for much of the game, but then Phoenix storms back, takes the lead. And then right. John Morant happens. And a three-pointer by Devin Booker with just five seconds left in the game, but that was still too much time for John Morant. He drives to the baseline, an acrobatic fall-away shot, hits the shot, puts him up 114 to 113. Huge game for Morant, 33 points, 14 to 25 from the floor, three of five through a three-point range. Great game for him. Uh, look, as phenomenal a scorer as you're going to get in the NBA. In last week's episode, it was his first game back from injury. And I questioned whether or not they were still kind of trying to figure out the fit with Moran, in particular with Jaron Jackson Jr. But they figured it out. Just give the ball to Moran, and I guess that's going to lead you to a victory more often than not. So uh, they get a big win here. I will say it's kind of, a couple of interesting things from this game. One, uh, this is like the formula for the Grizzlies if they want to get a win, right? It's 
Desmond Bain goes off for 32 points, 12 of 22 shooting, six of 11 yep. from three, six boards, three assists. Huge game from Desmond Bain. Like the Grizzly starters won their minutes. Adams was plus 14. Bain was a plus three. Morant was a plus 15 in this game. The problem for the Suns was that with Aiden out, they started JaVale McGee and they still went to drop coverage and the Grizzlies ate them alive. Like it was mid range after mid range. They play off of Desmond Bain. They just didn't, they did not treat him as like a serious second scorer with Dylan Brooks out. I don't know why. But it, it really burned them and hurt them. Maybe Crowder helps with that a little bit as a perimeter defender. But uh, between McGee, who I thought was really, really bad in this game, he's had a really great season. What I think is probably JaVale's best season so far. But this was he got ta- he got exploited and targeted by Memphis. They built a lead, and that was what kind of allowed them to control this game until the end. And then you know Morant can do that. He can hit these. He's really good at hitting buzzer beaters and clutch time shots. So uh, big win for for Memphis, who continues to be. They're interesting in that they I noticed this when I was I was doing a preview for them over at Action Network that um, the Grizzlies now are 10 and five versus teams over 500. They have they're tied for the most wins in the Western Conference versus teams over 500. Um, They're also tied for the second most losses versus teams under 500. The Grizzlies are very much any given night. So uh, big win for them. Where do you want to go next? Well, I was just curious. Are, are you a believer in their chances at becoming a title contender? Because I think that's the big debate, right? Like, they, they seem really good. They lost Morant for a prolonged period of time. Then they go on that win streak. They get him back. You know, they're a little iffy, as you said, on any given night. Who knows what could happen with them? But do they have a good chance of actually being able to contend for a title? I think in time. I think, I think much like the Thunder, it's going to take time for them. You know, I think Jackson's going to get better. He's made a leap this season, and that's been really yeah. good. I think finding Bain has been big. I think finding Melton, I think they can't keep all the young guys because they just are not going to be able to afford them, but they've still got, they've got a lot of assets still that they can use. Um, though we'll see when they kind of start moving towards whatever uh, in terms of like moving for veterans. But I do think that there's going to be some level of, they got to coalesce eventually, but I think they got some time still to see how it's going to go. And look fourth in the West right now, they're in a good spot to make the playoffs outright. And yeah, continue yeah. to learn and get better. You can assess like where, how far you are away from the title once you've made a real run. And they last year they made one to play in, and that was like their first entrance. And now they got to see if they can actually like how are they going to do as a more established team. Yeah. Oh well, they're building, they're progressing, uh, they're growing and evolving. Uh, speaking of growing and evolving, and two teams that well are kind of going in opposite directions, at least in my opinion, the Chicago Bulls and Atlanta Hawks met up for the first time this season. Two of the uh, well, potential powerhouses in the Eastern Conference. The Bulls, as good a team in the East right now, second just to the Brooklyn Nets in the Eastern Conference standing. Trey Young was back in the lineup for the Atlanta Hawks for the first time after you know he was just cleared minutes before the game tipped off in Atlanta. So they welcomed him back. He had a great game, uh, thirty points, I think it was for him. Uh, but the story of the night was actually, I'm sorry, twenty nine points for Trey Young, but thirty three points for Cam Reddish. He was the star for the Atlanta Hawks, but. You know what? None of that mattered because they had DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine on the other end. They scored a combined 65 points. Uh, DeRozan had his three-point shot falling tonight, two of two from three-point range. But the one who did have his three-point shot late in the game was Nikola Vucevic, who had a fantastic, yeah, fantastic game from him. 24 points. He hit two back-to-back threes uh, late in the fourth quarter to help extend the Bulls' lead there. He went four of eight from three-point range, 17 rebounds, six assists. 
four blocks. Just an overall game for him. And and look, I'm so glad for Vucevic, having gone to Orlando for a great portion of my career covering the NBA at large, but still going to the closest arena to me in Orlando and seeing Vooch kind of toil away in mediocrity there and not be appreciated by the national audience. Uh, it's good to see him in a major market and continue to thrive. Look, I know he's been somewhat inconsistent, but he's still a great overall player, an underrated passer, great shooter, etc. I was listening to the broadcast, the, the Hawks broadcast, and they didn't know that Vucevic could shoot from the outside. It's like, where, where have you been for the past couple of years yeah. of his career? But uh, anyway, uh, just great game for him. And look, the Bulls look like the real deal. The Hawks, still a problem. I remember we talking to you two weeks ago, and you you said you had legitimate concerns about their defense, and that was the case today. The Hawks actually led early in the game by as much as nine points, and then the Bulls just stormed back. Every time the, the, the Bulls would just make a run, the Hawks kind of looked flabbergasted. They just had no idea what to do out there. Couldn't contain DeRozan or Levine. Couldn't seem to find any crucial scoring other than Reddish uh, in clutch situations there. And overall, just a team that, you know, somewhat discombobulated. And look, again, they're missing key players. I get that. Who isn't at this point in time? That's not necessarily an excuse. I'm just not a believer in what the Hawks are capable of this season. Yeah, it's it's frustrating because it's like they're you can say they're missing 12 guys. Missing Collins is a big deal. Sure. That's, That's the one guy I will say that I will point to and go, he's like, he's literally had the best net rating on the team. He's been most important for them. Um, but the problem is you still had young Bogdanovich Capella and he got 33 points out of Cam Reddish and yep. all of the starters were in the minus. They got, they got beat by the starters. Like your bench unit did fine. That's who you were missing for the most part. Um, but like the bulls, look, you got 89 points from DeRozan, <laughs> Vucevic, Levine you got 25 assists. You got 26 rebounds from those three. Just monster performances. And for as much as John Collins matters, and he does, like Lonzo Ball matters. And he was out yep. for this one for the Bulls. So Alex Caruso out too. I mean, I'm sure he would have at least limited Trey Young somewhat, uh, you know, if he would have been in the lineup too. So without those two guys, their defense wasn't, wasn't there to apply pressure to Reddish and Young, who were their top scorers for Atlanta. You know, they kind of they found a groove last season with uh, under McMillan, but they just don't have it this year. That That's yeah. my big problem is like, I just don't know. I don't know how the Hawks improve their defense to the level that they're going to need to in order for them to make the kind of run that they're going to want to. And right. so for me, it, look, again, the Bulls are really good and they've proven that yeah. time and time again. And they're good when they're missing guys like they have found ways to win. But the Bulls shot 55 percent from the field and 49 percent from three. Um, on 37 attempts. They hit 18 threes. The Bulls. The Bulls are not a high three-point rate team. Right. And you're asking too much of your offense and Trey Young. Uh, And Trey Young's part of this, too. Like, he hasn't had – I don't think he's had a great season. You're asking too much of them to put up, like, 120 a night. Like, that's not where the league is at this year. Right. If if you don't play any defense, but this is – honestly, this is something I think is – I want to ask you about this, David – Teams like the Blazers, right? That had gotten by on just like offense, offense, offense. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of these teams. If you don't defend, I don't think you can make it right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially with the look, with the in and out of nature of this season where you have players missing time, et cetera. You can always rely on your bread and butter of a steady, consistent defense. And I know you're still incorporating guys. Maybe there's a lack of communication, a lack of fluidity. But I don't think that's an excuse. I mean, again, most of your key players were there. You're missing some players, but yeah, again, who is it? If you play defense, if you're committed to a defensive presence, if you have a defensive identity, and that's something that I don't think Atlanta has had at any point in time, even when they were thriving last year, late in the last season, 
I just think that they're going to continue to struggle and be exposed. We're seeing it with, like you said, with Portland and lots of teams around the league. And I think we're going to continue to see it throughout the season. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about what I think is maybe the most interesting game of the night. Uh, David, I'm already writing the film script. We'll get to that when we come back on the other side on Locked On NBA. But first, I want to tell you about Truebill. Today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. You know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there with you when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill's got over 2 million users and has helped save them over $100 million. Hmm. That's less than like a one one-twentieth of what was missing in the NBA tonight in, in salary. Don't <laughs> fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Thanks for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen to Locked On Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch it on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel. All right, back here with David Ramil breaking down Tuesdays, Mondays, slate in the NBA. And David, uh, I gotta we gotta start with this one. This one was an absolutely like phenomenal story. I just love that this game happened. Um, <laughs> The Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm gonna sort read. This, I'm gonna read this list. I yeah. took this game on when we were giving these up. I said, "Hey, I'll take this de- debacle, this disaster of a game. I'll take it yeah. to, to save you from it." And I actually wound up really enjoying watching it. Um, out for the Wolves: D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, Jared Vanderbilt, Nas Reed, Torian Prince, Patrick mm. Beverly, and McKinley Wright. All of their starters were out. Like, a Kogi starts sometimes, but for the most part, that's all their starters. The, right. They were without all of their starters, all of their stars. Now, I will say for the Boston Celtics, they were without Jason Tatum, Josh Richardson, Marcus Smart, and Dennis Schroeder, along with Bruno Fernando, Aaron Neesmith, and Enos <clears throat> Freedom. And so... You know, when I when I when I tell this story later, when I write the the movie of this, I can't mention the fact that the Celtics were also in a really bummer of a place and that they're missing their best player and they're on the road and it's a tough spot and everyone's tired and it's gonna that matters. The Minnesota Timberwolves win 108-103. Just Nathan Knight who was with the Iowa Wolves in the G League up until just recently on a two-way contract, goes for 20 points on 8 of 11 shooting, 
11 rebounds, four assists, a monster performance. Jalen Noel goes for 10 of 18 for 29 points, six boards, three assists, six of nine from three. And then there's Greg Monroe. Okay, flashback to Sunday, David. I'm at the G League Showcase in Vegas. Trying very hard to stay as far away from every human being because, well, I'm across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I'm watching this game and all of a sudden I see that that Greg Monroe's playing. I was like, oh my (laughs) God, Greg Monroe's like in the G League. And I'm like, he looks really good. Like he's, Mm -hmm. he's slim. Like he's kept himself in shape. He's training down here in South Florida, actually. He's got a local trainer that he's been working with. He's been pretty consistent. I actually thought the Heat might take a flyer on him because they were looking at yeah. bolstering their their center rotation. And in fact, instead they've gone to Omer Yurt seven, who nobody knows, but he's been playing pretty well. But yeah. instead, now he's dominating games for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Who would have figured? Eleven points, <laughs> nine rebounds, six assists in twenty-five minutes. For Greg Monroe, five of nine shooting and a plus 13. Moose back. After the game, they asked him about if he knew any of the guys he was playing with. And he was like, I'm going to be honest with you, Jalen Noel balled out for us tonight. I had no idea who that guy was. Like, Neither did I. This story is amazing. Like, I just, I really want to write like a script treatment for this, David, and have it be like these guys come in for one week because of the pandemic. They, they've never played together and they go out and they beat the Boston Celtics. And Again, don't don't get me wrong. The Celtics, the Celtics are taking this loss hard. I'll also say, like the oh, yeah. like Celtics Twitter is a mess tonight. <laughs> um, and you can check out Locked On Celtics with, with Corrales. But like, it's like this disaster mode. And I kind of want to be like, guys, you didn't have Tatum, you didn't have Smart, you didn't have, and like Richardson's, you know, whatever. But he's played pretty well this season. You didn't have Schroeder. It's bad. Don't get me wrong. It's bad, but I'm not shocked at it. This is part of the thing, David, right now. It's just like, I don't know that anybody's safe. Right. I just don't. Yeah. Corrales' point was that the Celtics are more talented. And I'm I'm looking at the rosters and who was actually available for Boston. And I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I mean, I guess it kind of is top heavy in Boston's favor because you have Jalen Brown there, but he struggled for the floor. He shot just 33%. He was not great. Uh, you figure he would pick up some of the slack with Tatum out, and that was not the case. So I could see why Celtics Twitter is burning down right now because it's not a great place for them to be. But hey, look, th- that whole season has been kind of uh, yeah. not necessarily disastrous, but it has not gone as well as planned. I was high on the Celtics to start the season, but they've been so inconsistent. They just haven't been able to find any kind of comfortable rhythm. And then, of course, well, you know, the inconsistency of the league around them. So it's a it's a strange place to be. But are, are we should we be making more of this Wolves team somehow putting this team together and finding a way to win at the 11th hour here? Because that it's not just as a feel good story, but look, the Wolves are a, an improved team. They're contending yeah. for a playoff spot. Uh, maybe we should be talking more about the Wolves kind of treading water until they do get, if they do get the rest of their roster healthy and in place at some point. One of the reasons I was so big on them in preseason is I, I really believe in Chris Finch. Yeah. I, like I just believe now. I can't really give Chris Fitch credit for this point. No. It's like, I can't give him credit for coaching this team up when he met them like 45 seconds before the game started. So like, yeah. there's just no way. Um, 
I do think that there's something to be said though, for one in the regular season context, the basketball is so casual and it's so right now and in particular, it's so messy. If you just have guys that play with energy and know how to play together, I will say like, it's a great job by the front office to find these guys, yeah, right? Yeah. Like they brought in like guys that can seriously help. And it's, and it's especially the fact that they're not just bringing in retreads like Greg yeah. Monroe's a retread. Don't get me wrong. But like, that's <laughs> like a guy that, but I'll also say this Monroe wasn't just sitting around, right? Like he wasn't just sitting around, like he plays in the, he's playing in the G league. Right. So like, you know, at least there's some level of focused attention on who's going to be able to play in our system. And those kind of things I think um, are generating some of the success, but I think the wolves are a great story this season. I think they're going to wind up being in the play in. Um, I don't think they will be any higher than that, but I I've said that all along. I think this Wolves team is good. I think that they're what not about, great, but yeah. What, what about the Celtics then? I mean, we were just talking about them. Yeah. They have more talent. They'll eventually get everybody back at some point. But right now they're just kind of floundering and they just don't, they look rudderless. And this is a yeah. team that's kind of overachieved over the last few seasons. And now they just, they're at the exact opposite end of the spectrum where they just don't have any kind of clear cut leadership. Uh, there's no presence. There's no voice in that locker room to help guide them. Uh, after the game, I think Al Horford made some comments about that they were looking in the mirror and searching for their identity. And when Jalen Brown was asked about it, he didn't want to have anything to do with that answer. He didn't want to touch that at all. Yeah. It's, yeah. Not great in Boston right. there. So um, is, it, is it a trade away from fixing these problems? Or is it just this is another lost season amongst many teams that are probably going to be experiencing lost seasons? Because that's kind of how it feels right now. I'm not sure if Boston's going to be able to figure out. Look, they're still, they've still got a positive net differential there. I mean, they're, they're, they're a pretty good defensive team when they're engaged. It's just when will they be engaged, especially when they're missing half their roster? So I think the big key is like, we can talk about the Celtics in the big picture. Mm -hmm. And I think that they do need a change. Like this is how, what I felt like on Christmas, I think they have to trade Marcus smart. And it's not because I think Marcus smart is bad. It's that they need somebody who's actually a point guard, right? Like Marcus smart was basically a shooting guard. That's like transitioned to playing point smart plays. Like he thinks that he's the third part of their triumvirate. Like he, he plays like he's the third superstar and there's a lot of reasons for that. Like Marcus in college legitimately was like a scoring stud, but he's not what they need. They need a table setter. Like they just need somebody to get the offense organized and run basic stuff. But I can't really point to that tonight because, you know, Tatum didn't play and smart didn't play. And when you really look at it, you mentioned Jalen Brown, who was eight of 24 for 26 points tonight, 10 boards, four assists, but he was a plus 11. Right. They won their minutes with, with, with Jalen on the floor. But Romeo Langford, who was forced to, to step in because of everybody else that was out, yeah, was a minus 32 in 36 minutes. Yeah. So, like, that run is, you know, really what wound up killing them. And so I think um, th- the answer is yes, they need a trade, but things are not as bad in Boston as it looks either. It's a very much, a, I think, it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I'll try explaining that to Celtics fans tonight. Uh, let's yeah. move on to the Utah Jazz taking on the San Antonio Spurs. This was a pretty easy win for Utah, despite the fact that they were missing Donovan Mitchell on the Spurs side. They were missing DeJounte Murray. Uh, You know, obviously without Mitchell, they were looking for a a good amount of scoring, but their defense in general 
is slightly improved when Mitchell is off the floor, and that was the case tonight. They really put the clamps on a good San Antonio team that's overachieved somewhat, even without Murray. It looked like they were going to be able to at least keep this game somewhat close, but the Jazz just too good. Too much from Rudy Gobert, 16 points from him, 13 rebounds, two assists, a steal, and three blocks. And again, their defense in general was really, really good. They got 23 points from J.C. Jordan Clarkson, stepping up in Mitchell's absence, hitting 9 of 21 shots, a little inefficient from three-point range, two of seven, but doing just enough to put the Jazz over the edge. And I think when you look at this game, you can disregard what happened with the San Antonio Spies because while the score was a lot closer than it looks, it was mostly due to a last-second surge in late in the fourth quarter from the Spurs when they, I think they scored like a, like 10 points late in the game there, actually forced the Jazz to put their starters back in for a brief minute there until they were able to actually seal the deal there. But for the Utah side of things, it looks like they're improving their defense. It's been a little bit inconsistent this season uh, as they're incorporating players, as they've missed players due to injury and COVID and everything else like that but I think they're starting to find their defensive identity and this is a team that gets so widely overlooked and yet here they are still overachieving still 24 and 9 at this point in time still a very very good team and yet for them it's always going to be about how they define themselves via their postseason record I think that's the big question mark for them and we'll see how that plays out but for now they're just going to be the Utah Jazz that we've come to expect a good team deeper than they might be in seasons past and, and still a very very good group led by some excellent coaching there. Do you have any thoughts about this game in particular before we move on? Yeah, I mean, I think San Antonio has played so much better lately, and they just could not get enough going, especially on the inside. I would think Jakob Pertl is the first guy that I was kind of look at for the the Spurs, because if he's able to be a positive, the Spurs are in really good shape. And he was a zero tonight in in plus minus, which sounds about right. They were fine. They, They did okay. Um, you mentioned the bench performance. I thought that was huge. Like Clarkson was able to just press them so much of it with them being able to miss Donovan Mitchell. I said this before the game, when you have the system that's so refined and runs so well in the regular system. And like, trust me, this is a hindrance for them in the playoffs, right? Like you'd agree with me on that. Like they're so reliant on that system, but the good news that this is one of the best things about it in the regular season, they can take out arguably their best player in Donovan Mitchell and they're fine. And they can let they can say like, "Hey, it's okay. You don't need to play. Go get some rest. We're we're twenty four nine. We're fine. Right. Go get some rest. We if we do lose, it's fine. But we can win without you. Like you're always playing the percentages game. And the Jazz had a were big favorites in this game, even without Mitchell. The Spurs covered. Thank you for that late run. Um, <laughs> but they like they were big favorites in this game because they have that depth." And the system. And when you have those kind of things and you're so consistent night to night, you can do these kind of things. And that's really helpful because so many teams, like if you're missing your guy, you're doomed, you know, yeah. and they haven't gotten hit with a big COVID wave, which probably is coming because everybody's getting it right now. Um, yeah. But ultimately the jazz are going to be fine. The jazz are going to be a top three seed. And they are, they are very much lurking there where if the suns dip a little bit or if they have injury issues, or if the Warriors dip a little bit, or if they have injury issues, Utah will just very quietly slide back into that one spot. Like they are just, they are the most consistent regular season team. And that's what when you games in the NBA. Should we cover the late game of the se- of the night here? Uh, the Brooklyn Nets taking on the LA Clippers. Of course, no Kevin Durant. Of course, no Kyrie Irving. They're missing a bunch of players themselves. No LaMarcus Aldridge, et cetera, et cetera. But they still have one James Harden 
on the Brooklyn roster, and he was the difference maker for the Nets. 39 points from him, 15 to 25 from the floor, four of nine from three-point range. This was the James Harden that's kind of been a little bit missing in action, not quite as consistently out there with Kevin Durant leading the scoring for Brooklyn. And he was phenomenal tonight. He was, again, the difference maker for the Nets. The Clippers, no Paul George, no Kawhi Leonard, of course, are missing key players as well. Uh, look, it was not a great game. Marcus Moore Sr. with 24 points to lead the Clippers. The Clippers just kind of collapsing late in the game. Uh, and, and again, a big, strong performance from, from Harden was really what put the Nets over the top there. Just whenever it seemed like the Clippers might cut it somewhat close, the, the, just the Nets uh, and their consistency just wind up outpacing what the Clippers were able to do there. So I don't have any significant takeaways from there. I, look, I, the Nets just keep rolling somehow, some way. Even when you look at that roster and it's old and when you're not, you have questions about their depth and who's going to step up on any given night. And, of course, they're still missing one of their big three. Who knows when Kyrie Irving will make his return. But Nets, they're still really good. Still atop the Eastern Conference and still look like the, a clear-cut favorite to advance to the NBA Finals. I'm in a weird place with the Nets because if you ask me, like, are the Nets going to win the title? I, I'm like, I'm ready to just be like, no, I do not think the Nets have the horses to win the NBA title. I do not think that they can get the stops that they're going to need versus the kind of teams that they're going to face. Sure. If you ask me who's going to get the one seed in the East, I'm going to be like, oh, it's the Nets. 100%. No question. They're absolutely going. They're just going to tear through these teams. Doesn't matter. No Kevin Durant. They just absolutely just tore this team apart. Now, like the yeah. Clippers are a shell of themselves. Right. But like, <laughs> what I thought was interesting tonight was the Nets got 74 points in the paint. Yeah. The Clippers really struggled in this game protecting the paint, which was Zubach. I thought they would do better, but he had a really hard time. They brought him out and really got him him clear and got the that Clippers defense in rotation, which has been pretty good. But they just scored time and time again. Like you look at some of the numbers on this: seventy four points in the paint for the for Brooklyn, thirty eight for the Clippers, twenty three fast break points for the for the Nets, ten for the Clippers. Tw- yeah. um, the Clippers got more bench points because, you know, Harden played 40 minutes, but like overall, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it's I wouldn't say it's an impressive win, but this is the thing. The Nets, I don't think are going to have all that impressive wins. They're just going to have a lot of them and they're going to bank on the idea that come playoff time, having Kevin Durant and James Harden, maybe Kyrie Irving and right. Patty Mills, honestly, with how he's been shooting uh, yeah. is going to be enough. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Uh, look, they were going to Nicholas Claxton early on in the game, and I think that was kind of what got Zubac into a little bit of a, a funk there. He wasn't quite able to recover. Claxton a little bit speedier, a little bit more athletic and mobile. Uh, he got 18 points, uh, 8 of 9 from the floor, and I think that was a, a big advantage for the Nets. But, yeah, they're they're a good regular season team, and, again, we'll see. We haven't seen what this group is capable of yet. They have not been at full strength, and I'm not sure exactly when and if we'll ever be able to see them, but uh, it probably won't be until the postseason by then. Who knows what will who knows what the rest of the league will look like at that point? But you know what? We'll cover the rest of the tonight's games in the next segment. But first, uh, let's tell our listeners and viewers about Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the College Bowl season and the Pro Football Playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. 
Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online where the game starts. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for making Locked On NBA your first listen each and every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. David Ramil, along with me, Matt Moore, breaking down Monday night in the NBA. David, let's go to Rockets Hornets, which was not much of a game. Uh, I actually, I sat down. I, I, I said I would take this one. Um, I sat down and actually like, gave this my relatively full attention until it yeah. got really out of hand um, because I wanted to kind of get a feel for both of these teams. This was a good game to get a sense for where both teams are at in that. Right. Uh, let me put it this way. This is a low stakes game. The Hornets were going to win this game. The Rockets are going to lose this game. You're looking to see what's going on with Houston. Now, no Jalen Green, no KPJ still for the Rockets. Like they've got their own issues uh, they rested those guys. They're going to play them tomorrow versus the Lakers. They were both available, but did not play because they're basically resting them for the Lakers game. Um, Garrison Matthews continues to be out with um, be out. DJ Augustine still out. Jay Sean Tate, who's actually pretty important for Houston, still out. But look for Charlotte, Miles Bridges, who's been the most improved player of the season probably, and PJ Washington were both out. Um, and so they were also shorthanded, and they just worked them. Two guys in particular I want to give a shout-out uh, in this game for the Hornets, Terry Rozier and Mason Plumley, Just yeah. NBA rotation guys, longtime veterans. Rozier put on a nasty move versus Alperin Shangun and really cooked him uh, in the first quarter. 27 points, five assists for Rozier. LaBella Ball finishes with 16 and seven. You get 15 points on seven of seven and nine rebounds from Mason Plumley, uh, who was a plus 14 in this game. They just out-talented, outpaced them. Kelly Oubre with 18 on 6 of 12. Uh, the Hornets shot 53% from the field and 44% from three-point range. The Rockets are a mess. Uh, they're <laughs> just, just a mess. And my only real concern with them is that Jalen Green and KPJ are sloppy guys anyway, and they're not even playing, and the offense still looks so disorganized. Like I have some legit concerns about the fact I'll look, I'll say this, the talent level on Houston relative to OKC is not that great. I would say that like Shea's the best player on either team, but after that, but after that, you can kind of, you can argue if you watch the thunder night tonight, they'll, they got waxed by 73. They get, they'll, they'll have nights where they look absolutely lifeless and they have no chance. They're organized. They know what they're doing. Like there is a plan on both ends of the floor. A lot of times with Houston, they do not. And that to me is a concern. I don't, I think Silas has been dealt a number of really bad hands in his two years with the Rockets. But I will say I have some long-term concerns about the fact that they look so disorganized so often. 
I want to ask you about a tweet that you launched about uh, <laughs> what it would take to get Christian Wood on the Dallas roster. Uh, that's an interesting su- suggestion there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't think there's any, you're not reporting anything, but you like the fit there of Wood in Dallas. I mean, we're going to talk about the Mavericks next. They got a big night from Kristaps Porzingis, but yeah. what do you think you would be able to get out of Christian Wood in Dallas? I think this is a lot of it. Is, look, Porzingis is, is having his best stretch since New York right now. Sure. And he's played great. Um, I continue to question both the fit with Luca and KP. KP's uh, durability when it comes to injury problems. Sure. And his overall approach to the game, I think, is is pretty problematic. Versus Wood, to me, seems like a perfect complement to Luca. He's a guy that can rim roll, play aggressive, finish inside, offensive rebounds. He's a more aggressive threat at the rim, which is what I think Dallas really needs. They need to. They have Dwight Powell and and Chris Stapps. And to me, Christian Wood may not be as good as KP, but he's like if you merge Powell and Chris Stapps and put them into one guy with the rim rolling. He's a 36% career three-point shooter. He's got a little bit of range on it. I think he can work on his mid-range game. He's mobile. He's younger. I like the fit a lot. Like I would like Wood as a replacement for Chris Tapps, but it's going to be a, a tough sell given how well Chris Tapps is playing, especially with how he played tonight versus Portland. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, look, on the Hornets side of things, I don't know what we can take from this game. Again, it's when you're playing – such a disastrously built opponent like the Houston Rockets, almost any team winds up looking good. This is a, a far cry for the team that put together that win streak not so long ago, and yet it also feels like an eternity ago. The Hornets going through their roster problems as well. I just look at this team, and I, I don't know what to make of them. I, I just they feel like they lack that one true veteran that kind of helps shape the identity of this team, the one go-to player when it comes down to a clutch situation or especially in the playoffs, who is your bucket getter? Who is the guy who's going to be able to carry this team and say, you know what? I will lead us to victory. I, I mean, who is it? Is it Rozier? I mean, at this point, it kind of feels like that would be the obvious choice. Although maybe you can get some, you know, a, a couple of votes here for Hayward or ball, but it just feels like Rozier is kind of the, your guy. And that's not really a role that he's ever been put in during his NBA career. So that's why I have bigger questions about the Hornets. They're a good team. They might be a playoff team right now. What are they? They're the 10th seed, I think, in the Eastern Conference. So they're – or no, I'm sorry. They're the 8th seed. So they're right around the mix there. You know, who knows what happens during the rest of the season? Who knows if they're able to weather the storm as well as any of the other teams in the Eastern Conference. But for now, they're just – they've got too many question marks for my liking. And yet they continue to show – Flashes here. They're a fun team, and yet I'm not sure they're actually a good team. They have enough offense, I think, to get past just about any bad team. It's when they run into the, they run into a lot of serious teams and they get smacked. They have a hard time when they face really serious teams. So, but uh, luckily for them, they faced Houston. <laughs> tell me about tell me about Dallas Portland. <laughs> well, again, Porzingis was the story of the game. I mean, this is kind of like the op- – it kind of feels like the same game we were just talking about. Again, the Trailblazers, no C.J. McCollum. Dame Lillard was off tonight, shot just 5 of 15 from the floor. Uh, so many missing players on the like, Trailblazers side. No Yusuf Nurkic, uh, no anything, really. Like, it just – they seemed so dead in the water watching this game. It was kind of sad because – Portland had been such a fun team over the last few years for those of us in the Eastern Conference who wound up staying up late just to watch, you know, Dame time and some magnificent performances over the last couple of seasons. This just feels like a, a, an empty 
shadowy version of the Blazers team that we've seen over the last few seasons. And I don't know what's going to happen. They've had so much hanging over them from their front office issues to their coaching issues to their roster construction and everything else like that. They just completely fell apart. They didn't really have it at all. And then they got a strong performance from Porzingis over in the Mavericks side. Again, a 132 to 117 victory for Dallas. It does wasn't even that close, really. It just it never felt even closer than 20 points, to be honest with you. And look, a, a good good performance from the roster on, on the Dallas side of things. But I don't know. I'm looking at the slate of games, man, and I hate to do this to you, but I just feel like how much can we really extrapolate from anything? It just feels like this is an ongoing conversation over the last couple of weeks and will, will be for the rest of the season, or at least for the next couple of weeks, unless barring some miraculous change in, in the society around us. Because we're looking around and every game seems like it's going to be just okay and you can't really tell. And we're kind of just holding our breath here to see whether or not things turn around by the time the playoffs roll around. Uh, I mean, I, I feel pretty confident we're going to be past this in a few weeks. Uh, maybe I I'm hope wrong. so. Right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an epidemiologist. I just based off of one conversations with, with people around the league and two, if you read what's the kind of the trend of Omicron based off of the data in Africa and the UK, the, you know, skeptics or cautious folks would, would say like, well, look, we, it's a little early to be making assertions and that's fair. Um, I would just say that the trend has been, and I saw this with Delta in Colorado is the sharp, our surges in 2020 were these massive rolling, huge month long, like several months of just like cases, you know, huge case. And now we're seeing like unprecedented numbers of cases, but wherever they are, there's this huge drop off. And that's, you know, partly the vaccinations and boosters and awareness and all these types of things. So I'm optimistic that while this is going to be rough for the next couple of weeks with the NBA, yeah. You know, so far, the majority has been a, has been asymptomatic. Most everyone's been okay. Um, and I think there's a good chance we'll, we'll kind of come out on the other side of this. I, I, for me, a lot of it is there are certain things I think you can take away. Like okay. you cover the Heat, right? Yep. The Heat remain a professional basketball team no matter who is on the court. Yeah. Right? They've lost they, – they've had games where everybody's been out, and they still look like a professional basketball team. Like we talked about this with the Thunder, right? One of the things I think is most concerning for Portland is Portland's supposed to be a playoff contender and Portland does not look like a professional play professional. And they've struggled with that all year. Like there, I I do think, I I think maybe the best way to put this is yes, the star talent matters. Yes. The, the, you know, inconsistencies and the schedule and everything else. And so many guys being out matters, but I do think some of the, in select cases, I do think it shines a light when there are underlying problems in the foundation of the team. And likewise, I think it shows the the good sometimes that some teams are able to survive right. despite all of this disaster that they're able to be like, no, we can still go out. We can get wins. The Celtics, I think are an example of this where they were without Tatum tonight. Like that's their best player. That's their hopeful MVP candidate someday. That's their, their, their star franchise guy and a number of other dudes as well but you still watch them and you go, you can't lose to this Wolves team. If you're supposed to be like a serious playoff team in the East, you just can't. And every team kind of gets bit. This is kind of how it is where if, and this is, I do think it's interesting. If the heat lost to this Wolves team, I would blow it off and be like, we know the heat are fine, but we don't know that with the Celtics. And so it only puts a further magnifying glass. If you want to toss out everything from the last month, I don't blame you. 
I said this last night. I don't think right now I'm used to thinking about the NBA regular season and yeah. going, there are good wins and bad wins and good losses and bad losses because of the context of the season and when you play teams and where you're at, et cetera. That's gone right now. There's right. only like wins and losses. Any way you can get a win, you take it because nobody seems safe right now. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, the baseline is completely skewed at this point. There's no 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 reference point kind of exists right now because so many teams going through so many different issues. But uh, that was well said. Uh, anyway, uh, it's been it'll be interesting to see what teams continue to tread water. Hopefully, we'll get as as you said. Uh, a break, uh, you know, especially as they're leading up towards the all-star break and the trade deadline and everything else, which is kind of another challenge that I'm sure we'll talk about further down the road, because by that point, you kind of have to start deciding whether or not you've seen enough, even with all the impacts of the roster, whether or not you're a buyer or a seller, whether or not you can afford to pull the trigger for that one move that you think might put you over the edge there to contend for a title or whether or not you're looking to blow things up. Portland certainly feels like they're on that other end of the spectrum where they might blow things up, but no. who makes that call? I wonder whether or not they have something in place already where they're, they're thinking about ch making changes that could uh, impact the future of Dame Lillard in Portland. Let's go wrap it up for Locked On NBA. David Ramil and myself, Matt Moore, thank you for joining us. Make sure to check out the show on YouTube. Make sure to give us those five-star reviews. Helps out so much. You can give us a like on Spotify and a subscribe. That's also awesome. We're on Spotify as well. Check out YouTube. Check out David's podcast, Locked On Heat. You can follow him on Twitter at bramil 13 I just had to pull up your, your, your number. I was like, I know it's Steve Ramil, but <laughs> there's that. a number in there. Yeah. There's a number. D Ramil 13. You can catch me at HP basketball on Twitter. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Locked on NBA. We'll be back tomorrow night with another episode. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys again next time. I'm locked on NBA.